I wonder if you have a favourite home, house or friend that you'd go to if you were facing one of life's challenges. Suppose you'd just got some very sad news or maybe some good news. You wanted to share it. You were very worried about something. You had a decision to make. There are times I can remember that were like that for me. And when I was a child, I'd always go to Auntie Florrie's house. Auntie Florrie was very good at celebrating if I'd passed an exam or anything nice like that. Auntie Florrie would celebrate with me. No one else in my family seemed to care very much or be very impressed, partly because I have a sister exactly one year older than I am who did it all first and better. <laughs> but it was Auntie Florrie who would celebrate with me. She only lived next door but one, so it was handy run round. Later on in life, I was the mother of three children under the age of three, which was lovely. <laughs> It was what I wanted. Uh, but sometimes, you know, things just get on top of you a bit. And when I felt like that, I always went to Mrs. Walsey's house. Now, Angela's not here, is she? I was going to t tell you about her auntie, because it was Auntie Angela Walls, uh, Auntie Agnes Walls, Angela's auntie, to whose house I used to go, because we lived in Bingley when my children were young, weren't they brought up there? And so she had a house, it was quite a big house, and to get to her house, there was a lane, and on the left of the lane was a shallow ditch. Well, if things were getting on top of you, you put the children's wellies on, Rachel's nodding, <laughs> you put the ch children's wellies on, and you let them walk up the ditch to Mrs. Walls's house. Because Mrs. Walls always seemed to be pleased to see us. And she had some fascinating old things that she used to bring out. And they would play with those, and then I could have a conversation with her. So that was my respite place when my children were very young. And I think perhaps this home in Bethany that we heard about in that reading from John's Gospel had become like that as a place for Jesus. Martha, she'd always make sure that he was comfortable and well-fed, and Mary would give all her attention to his thoughts and his words. Some people express their faith, like Martha, in practical ways. We think of her, Martha, as a doer. But we mustn't forget that when their brother Lazarus had died, and Jesus had not responded to the sister's call to come, it was Martha who set off to meet Jesus when he finally came, and Mary stayed at home. So it was in response to Martha's question that Jesus gave that precious promise, I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever believes in me shall not die, but have everlasting life. As the Jews gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover, the disciples would be in a somber mood, They'd suggested that now wasn't a good time to go to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking into danger. The disciples had advised him not to go, but he was determined. And it was Thomas, who we often think of as Doubting Thomas, 
It was Thomas who took the lead, and when he saw that Jesus was not to be persuaded, Thomas said, let us all go, that we may die with him. He might have been a doubter, but he had a lot of courage. Let us also go, that we may die with him. And Bethany was the obvious place to go. It was designated as an acceptable village to stay for those who couldn't find a place in the city of Jerusalem during the Passover. And in this home, Jesus would always be welcome. So in this word picture in John's Gospel, we see the sisters in their natural roles. Martha is serving, making sure that Jesus and his friends were cared for. A supper is given in honour of Jesus. But that's not enough for Mary to express her love for Jesus. Whether she'd planned it or not, or maybe it was an impulse of the moment when her love for Jesus prompted that extravagant gift. And we heard how extravagant that was, an estimate of the value. John's Gospel, which was read for us, tells us that Mary poured the expensive perfume over his feet. And Mark and Matthew's similar stories, she pours it over his head. Those are typical differences between eyewitnesses. This is something we notice a lot when we study the Gospels, that there are little differences. If they were being made up, they'd have all made it up the same. And that's what the police tell us. They can tell if a story is being made up, if an alibi is being made up. Everybody tells the same story. No differences. If there are some little differences, it might just be true. So Luke tells a similar story with a different identified woman and in the house of Simon the leper. But it is surely possible that Jesus had similar experiences on more than one occasion. The costly value of this gift is the same in every of the, one of the stories. For Mary, it's suggested that possibly this perfume had been saved from the funeral of Lazarus. Or maybe it was being saved for a future wedding. But I like to think that that perfume would cling to the body of Jesus, to his hair, through all those coming days of arrest, of ill-treatment and crucifixion. Mary's love for Jesus is unselfconscious. And the challenge for us is how unselfconscious is our love for Jesus? Love for him might well be the motivation and the underlying reason why we hold some of our opinions, how we spend some of our time and our money. How do we respond when people ask us to explain? None of us wants to be seen as self-righteous, like the Pharisees. But maybe we sometimes miss those opportunities to share our faith in a very gentle way. And this gift immediately brings criticism. Mary is accused of extravagance, of lack of concern for the poor. But on this occasion, the criticism is insincere. Those who criticize are those who have guilt to hide. 
a bit of fiddling on the side. Better accuse others first before the questions are asked. We are saddened and angry, of course, when incidents come to light, when money intended for some good cause has been misappropriated. And it's right that we should try to make sure that our giving is being used in appropriate ways. But it does bother me that when those situations come to light, there are people who will use them as a rationale for not giving, jumping to the conclusion and making the excuse that this happens with all good causes. Jesus is firmly on Mary's side because he understands the unselfconscious love that Mary shows. He gets it, as people say. As Matthew's gospel tells the story, Jesus predicts that wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And that prophecy continues to be true, as it has been this morning. Moving on to St. Paul, but only briefly, who wrote that lovely letter to the Philippians, St. Paul got it too. He'd given away all the things that were valued by the Pharisees. His impressive list of qualifications as an orthodox Jew. Now all these were nothing to him. He has poured them out like Mary's fragrance at the feet of Jesus, for whose sake he has lost all things, considering them nothing in the exchange for the greatness of knowing Christ. Amen. <laughs>